Hey, everybody. Welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I wanna, I'm waving to people as if you're going to wave back to me. I'm talking to a camera here. But uh, my name is Chad Russell, and I'm the co-host with my buddy here, Kurt Souter. And Kurt is with Further Stone Ministries. And we do a radio show called Solid Steps Radio. Been doing it now, what is it, five years this this fall? This fall. Five years we've been doing the show. And we, we, five years ago, prayerfully said, we want to do a show for men by men, talking about things from a man's perspective, knowing we had tons of ladies that listen, which is wonderful, but we want to have our audience of men. And we wanted to talk to men and say, men, look, you can talk about sports, weather, and politics only so much. You've got to talk about the things that matter for eternity. And that is, you were born to walk with God through Jesus Christ, that is your destiny. And pick up that destiny and, and you're not walking in your destiny if you're not walking with Jesus. Hence the name Solid Steps Radio, right? So every fall, we've always done a live event and we couldn't do it this year for obvious reasons. So we wanted to do the next best thing. So we're doing a Facebook Live. So if you're hearing this on the radio on the weekend or a podcast later, then this is, a little bit different because we're just going to tape an hour's worth of program and we're, we can't wait to do it because we're having one of our favorite guests on. Um, so we're going to go through and spend around an hour here talking about something that is incredibly important, whether you are 20 or 80. Um, our uh, Kyle Eidemann just preached a sermon here recently about how w our life is a mist and literally you spray the mist and it comes and it goes. But we are called to do something with the mist that we've been given and that's to number our days. So if you're in, no matter where you are in your life, you have to start numbering your days or continue to number your days. And we're gonna to talk today, what does the Bible say about in these days and times that are seem so tumultuous and so rough, how do we number our days? And so we got Bob Russell. The expert. You know, you know Bob, it's, it's a delight to have you back. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed the times I've been with you and I've looked forward to the night. Well, um, when Chad and I, we were talking about, uh, you know, the psalmist writes, uh, teach us to number our days. I'm going, th there was one guy that popped in my brain that go, we we've got to ask Bob to come in and just talk about that because you're getting, how old are you now? Easy now. Just <laughs> take it easy. I just had a birthday a week and a half ago, 77. Yes. Um, you were exactly 20 years older than me. Um, in the month of October. So, uh, so 77, you, you, do you feel like you're... Like you're closer to 80 than 70? It, it doesn't matter how you feel. <laughs> the truth is I'm, I'm almost 80. And uh, <laughs> I, I actually, I don't know of anybody who has been more blessed in so many ways than I have. And one of the ways I've been blessed, I've been blessed with good health. And I'm able to go out and enjoy the outdoors and play golf and beat you when we play golf together <laughs> and uh there's something more not much more humiliating than to get beat by a 77 year old preacher who hits it left-handed is there kurt i mean it's... that is uh yeah but the I, I the last time that we were out both you and me were and another younger guy were beat by a uh, beaten by a guy 83 at the time mm -hmm. gary had parkinson's and he spanked all all of us, and he was eighty three. Yeah, so. but he can't preach a leg. <laughs> I always say with somebody so much better than I am in some sport, I bet they can't preach. <laughs> well, spe hey, speaking of preaching, Bob, tell us about what have you been up to? You, you mentioned uh, before the before we started, uh, you've been doing some podcasts. Uh, talk to us about that. 
Yeah. Uh, ever since I retired, I do mentoring groups for preachers, which I continue to do. I read a blog every week. I also travel and speak a lot. And this year, almost all my speaking engagements have been canceled, and they've been replaced with podcasts or Zoom meetings. And I have stayed home more in this past seven or eight months than I have my entire life. In fact, uh, I've been married for 55 years. But Is Judy going crazy? Judy is sick of me. <laughs> And I'm not sure we're going to make it because she finds out I'm not a decent human being. But I have not been traveling and speaking as much, but I've done a lot more of this kind of thing. And, and that's enjoyable, too. So, um, you have done a little bit of travel, though. Have you? Um, uh, but in the, in the podcast that you've done, what has been the most intriguing for you? Yeah, well, my focus has primarily been talking to preachers. Uh, because I've, I'm older and have 50 <laughs> years of experience, uh, it gives me some degree of credibility to talk to preachers. I was on a podcast uh, with Lifeway out of Nashville probably a month or two ago, and at the end of the program, the host said, Bob, a lot of preachers are really discouraged right now because of going through all that we're going through with the pandemic and the uh, uh, race riots and the rancor politically and the disagreements in church. Preachers are really discouraged. said, could you have a word of encouragement for preachers? Because we know you've been through a lot of ups and downs in your 50 years of ministry. I said, you know, you're right. I have been through a lot of down periods in ministry, but I, I can't compare anything like preachers are going through right now. I think this is as tough as it gets when they're closing down the church for months. They're asked to do online services when they're not trained or equipped, and they've got people in the church just uh, on edge and uh, disagreeing with each other and wanting the preacher to take one stand or another, and it's no wonder these guys are discouraged. So I try to encourage them to be faithful and still be joyful, but I, I can understand why they're discouraged. Well. I want to encourage you. I just met with a pastor the other day who went through your retreat and said, I was so blessed. Well, thank you. So, you know, God's, uh, even though you're getting closer to 80, uh, God's still using you, brother. Well, I, I tell you, a guy by the name of Ben Merrill, who is an icon in our movement, comes and does the retreats with me. And you're, you're not going to believe this. Ben Merrill is 94. Mm. And he, he when he gets up, he loses about... 20 years because he's still articulate, he's still clear, and I just want these guys to have exposure to Ben Merrill. That's one reason I bring him. The other reason I bring him is because he makes me feel young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Bob, uh, tonight's theme is uh, Psalm 90 uh, says, uh, the psalmist says, teach us to number our days. And uh, we, we would love to just talk about that in the, in the context of this crazy world. But I'd, I'd love to have you kind of think in, in regards to talk to the 20, the younger men right now, the 20 or 30-year-old guys who are listening, teach us to number our days. What, what, what wisdom, what advice would you give these guys? I don't think Moses is saying, well, we're going to live to be 80, and therefore we've got 55 years to live uh, if we're 25. 
So therefore, we can live as we please right now, and we'll turn to God later. Because the Bible says your life's a vapor. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no guarantee. When Moses says, teach us the number of days, I think he's saying, help us to recognize our days are short, and we're not here very long, and they're not guaranteed. So help us to make the most of every day. Uh, and, and so I would say the 20-year-olds, teach us the number of our days means Get your priorities in order. Don't waste a lot of time on secondary things or things that aren't gonna gonna matter at all. Make sure uh, God comes first and your mate comes second and your children come third and material things are down the list and you're not focusing your whole life on things that when you get to the end aren't gonna matter at all. And it, it, we can all say mentally, oh, my family comes first with me. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to turn off the television or put down the newspaper or come home on time and give attention to your family. And I think one of the challenges for guys in their 20s is to discipline their schedule and to, to govern their time so that they're focused with their family. It's not just that you're spending time at home, but you're alert and you're, you're listening to your wife or you're engaged with your kids and you're enjoying that time. Uh, when when I, I made a lot of mistakes as a young father, but one mistake I didn't make is uh, I, I, I gave time for my kids and went to their ball games and tried to get involved. And when my son Rusty was in, I think the second grade, he was given an assignment and he was supposed to fill in a blank. And the blank was, I like it when my dad blank and he wrote I like it when my dad laughs and I think your family needs to see that you're joyful at home you like being with them rather than well you get with other people boy you really turn on the charm and then you come home and you're a dud uh, I think teaching us to number our days when we're younger is we're going to soak up every moment in the area of our priorities so that that means the most to us. So many of us get down to the end of life and say, ah, I wish I'd have been given more attention to my family and less attention to work or to golf or sports or something. Bob, you tell the story uh, to all these pastors about a time when you went home and Judy called you. And uh, tell that story to our listeners. Oh, you always always bring up the times I was bad. <laughs> well, when I, when I would go home at the end of the day in my early years, I, I, I don't have any energy left. I, wanna, I just want to lay in the couch and just veg out. veg out. And one night my wife called me to tell me she was going to be coming home a little later than normal because I hung up at work. And I answered the phone, but I answered the phone so late that the answering machine kicked on and recorded my conversation. I didn't know it. About 10 minutes later, I looked, and the red light was on. Oh, I got a message. So I push it, and I listen to my conversation with Judy. And I couldn't get over how there was so much energy and a lilt to her voice, and there was a deadness in mine. Uh, the conversation went something like, Bob, you having a pretty good day? Okay. What are you doing? Uh, reading newspaper. Well, I just called to say I'm going to come home late. And I, okay. What do, you, do you want me to stop and get something to eat? Do you want to eat? It doesn't matter. And that was it. And I had just read a chapter in a book by Bruce Larson, and the chapter was, Are You Fun to Live With? <laughs> Boy, I'm, not, I'm not fun to live with. If I die, I want 
Judy to shed at least one tear, you know. <laughs> now, I knew in my heart, had that been a uh, member of the church, I would have been energetic. Oh, yeah, having a good day. How's yours going? Well, I'm reading this newspaper article about football. Have you read it? No, don't hurry. Take your time. But with my wife, I mean the person who meant the most to me in life. Yeah, no, yeah. So that really convicted me. And that day I decided I'm going to be more energetic. And even though it takes effort, I'm going to laugh more. I'm going to pay more attention. I'm going to try to be fun to live with. And you know what? It really changed uh, our marriage. We've always had a good marriage, but we stepped it up another notch. And Judy and I laugh a lot more and are more engaged. I, this Ben Merrill guy I told you about, he, he, he said he spends uh, every house he's ever lived in, he drives a nail in the door between the garage and the house. People think it's to hang a hat. He said, that's where I hang all the junk that happened. Mentally, I hang all the junk that happened during the course of the day so I can go in and be focused on my wife. I think, Bob, as well, you know, when you're talking about these these younger guys, for, for all of us, but for the younger guys, they walk in and the, the, the workload has been so uh, heavy and uh, they, they need a reminder to, when they walk into their house, their home, they they're able to well you said veg out veg out they they, they, they want to but it, that's a time to remember another guy said that when he drives in a driveway he shifts gears and I'm, mm. i shift gears from the the work world to my home world and i remind myself that that's most important that's good well, we're, we're live, but we also want to take a, just a, a quick second to thank our sponsors of our show. These folks have been sponsoring our show for a long time now. We want to thank LNN Credit Union. They're a local lender here in the Louisville, Kentuckyana area. They have helped us out, and they help you out with your residential business, whatever you need, loans, checking. LNN Credit Union can help you out. Vision First Eye Care. There's 11 different cities they're in, six Louisville area locations. If you need eyeglasses, contacts, you name it, Vision First Eye Care can take care of you. Uh, Frank Enterprises, if you have a septic tank issue or landscaping problems, Frank Enterprises has helped Kurt out many a time, and they can help you as well. And also, we want to thank uh, Bright Star Home Care. Bright Star Home Care is an organization that helps people who stay in their homes, who need to be there, and they may need one day a week or 24-7 care. Bright Star Home Care can help you take care of your loved ones. Um, Segwaying back to, you know, uh, I, I heard somebody say once that most of us, the American world, we see the world from 9 to 5 as men, right? 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. But that we really should be seeing ourselves from 5 to 9, as in 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Like that is when our life's supposed to begin. And I have for many a years gotten that backwards. So when you, when you say these things, that really does hit home. When the energy level is dead between five and nine, man, that's, uh, that's when we're losing our, mm-hmm. our kids. I think one and, thing that can energize guys is to see themselves as spiritual leaders of the home. That rather than I delegate all these responsibilities to my wife and I may be a leader at, at, in the work world, but when I come home, I just veg out. If guys see God has given us a responsibility to be the leader in the home and our wives need to have the security of knowing that we are the leader and we are engaged. And that changes attitude and energy as much as it does action, I think. That's, yeah, that's life-giving. Bob, talk to us about um, teach us a number of days for the 40- and 50-year-old guy who's in, in the middle of his life. Um, he's, maybe he's, in the, he's got some career changes, um, maybe not. Maybe he's been with the company for 20 years plus. Um, speaking to that guy. Well, uh, I think there comes a time 
when you, you come to the realization, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be, uh, uh, I'm never going to make the pro tour. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be a multimillionaire. I'm never going to be the president of the company. I, I, I'm, I'm never going to make general in the Army. And guys have to shift their life goals. And it's, it's a wonderful period when you can learn. Paul said, I've learned to be content in every circumstance. And, and you come and say, you know what? Maybe my goals were off. Maybe I had the wrong focus. It was too much on me. And I think the, the middle years are a great time to, to grow to maturity to the point where we are able to lead people even though we don't have a big title. And the people that you come to admire are not necessarily the people who have reached the top of the, the ladder in their occupation, but they are people who have learned to be content and are making the most, and they've got a solid family, and they have a, a, a real commitment to Jesus Christ. So the, the, most of us in our middle years have to shift gears and say, okay, uh, I, I, I've got to see what's really important here, and I'm going to be content. I'm going to bloom where God is planted me. And uh, people sense there's a, a contentment and a security with uh, making the most of every day that comes along. So when, when a guy comes to that realization, he was on a fast track when he was younger. Um, things were going really well. And uh, but he's he's really discouraged right now. I, I know he needs to change his expectation. Um, but what what other words of hope would you give him um, in light of eternity and 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 teach us to number our days? Well, I think if our ultimate hope is in Jesus Christ, there's always this awareness that the best is yet to be. I, th- I think we need eternal hopes, and we need long-term hopes, and we need short-term hopes. Uh, the eternal hopes are in Jesus Christ that the best is yet to be. If I die today, the best is yet to be. If I live to be 90, I still have this hope of heaven. The long-term hopes are I want to be secure in retirement. Uh, I want to have my house paid for. I'd, I'd like to have uh, be able to travel with my mate and my, see my grandchildren. Those are long-term hopes. Short-term hopes, we need something to look forward to within the next few days. And one of the things that really helps me is to have a hobby that has nothing to do with the church, or to have something I enjoy doing uh, on uh, the weekend. Like uh, somebody called me today and said, I've got four tickets if you want to take your grandsons to the football game on Saturday. That gives me short-term hopes. One of the things that's happening right now is that COVID has taken away a lot of short-term hopes. People look forward to watching the ball game, and then the ball games were off canceled. Or they look forward to going out to eat with their family, gathering on Thanksgiving. Well, don't gather together on Thanksgiving. So a lot of our short-term hopes have been taken away, and as a result, people are looking inwardly and are getting discouraged. So I think we need to develop some different short-term hopes, even if they're little things. They don't have to be big, but they can be things that you're going to do with your mate or something you're going to accomplish that you say, okay, I've got a reason to get up tomorrow. I've got I got something I look forward to doing. So in in your middle years, especially, I think you need someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. Um, I quoted you 
literally today, this morning, sitting with a guy who is struggling. I go, you need, I go, let me just quote Bob Russell. You got to have somebody to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. Yeah. And uh, and I just jotted a few things down that he could do with his kids and he could do with his wife. And it was amazing, uh, your words that I just uh, repeated, and he got, uh, he started getting some ideas in his head. Yeah, uh, he he just walked away with some hope, and uh, we're, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. But this is what happens to a lot of guys in retirement. Uh, they've looked forward to their job and accomplishment, and then all of a sudden, they wake up and they think it's going to be great because they have nothing to do. It's like the guy said, "What are you going to do your first year of retirement?" He said, "I'm going to sit in a porch in a rocking chair mm. for a year." He said, "What are you going to do your second year?" He said, "Well, the second year I may start rocking." <laughs> well, <laughs> if, if if that's your goal for the future, you're going to shrivel up and die. Mm-hmm. And people need to retire to something, to have mm. something to do. And one of the reasons I've really enjoyed retirement for 14 years, every day when I wake up, uh, before I get out of bed, I think about what I'm going to do today. I would hate to wake up with nothing to do every day. Uh, and I think that's when uh, you're not numbering your days. You're not making your days count. Well, I think, Bob, we've seen you. That, I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you come in, because we've seen you with that kind of purpose. You retire after 40 years of being senior pastor at Southeast Christian, and yet you are, in many ways, I think I heard you a while back say you before COVID hit, you were preaching more um, – uh, then you were in your last uh, few years at yeah. Southeast. I, I, I've stayed really active. I didn't just retire from, I retired to. And when, when a person shifts gears or says, oh, I'm, I finally get out from underneath all that pressure, uh, and then without, within a week or two they're saying, I'm going to go be a greeter at Walmart. Well, I don't want to be a greeter at Walmart. That may be okay. But when I retired, I said, okay, here's some things that I want to do. I want to experiment with. And there were they were retreats and traveling and preaching and writing a blog and counseling and being a coach to, to preachers. So the Lord has put so many things in my path. And uh, it's been a, a, a tremendous experience. This is what I say to guys in their 50s and 60s. Understand there's a whole new chapter out there. And it's not just that you get to... Uh, have a honeydew list at home and uh, drive down and eat at breakfast at uh, Cracker Barrel uh, and wander around the, sh- the mall. It, it, it's amazing how God can use older people if they are alert to opportunities. I think one of the reasons that I'm in good health is is because I've been so active every day and look forward to every day, and my spirit, my attitude has been positive. And I am actually uh, Kurt, I I am actually more joyful every day at 77 than I was at 27. Mm-hmm. Even though people would look at a 77-year-old guy and say, that oh, poor guy, he doesn't have much time to live. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, every day is precious. And you can you can you can take some uh, some risks at 77 that you might not take. I remember <laughs> Wayne Smith said that he was out with his wife and his grandson eating, and he ordered some high cholesterol meal, and his wife said, Wayne, you don't need to, to get that. There's too much cholesterol. That's bad for you. And his grandson said, uh, Nana, Pops of the dying age, he shouldn't have to worry about cholesterol anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think people... Uh, 
I want to say this correctly because I think we have to be wise and guard our health. But people are responding with too much fear in this whole mm. COVID situation. They're, I, I see young people just terrified, uh, not going to visit their parents, not letting their grandchildren hug their parents, not going outside. I know people have been holed up for seven months. And uh, I, I think we need to be cautious. But life involves risk. And I took a, I took a wonderful trip to Carrollton, Kentucky a couple of months ago. I've got a brother who lives in northern Kentucky. And I, I, I said, let's get together in, Co- in Carrollton and play golf. Do you wear a mask? <laughs> I, I didn't wear a mask. <laughs> but John and I compete with each other, and we had a lot of fun. We solved the world's problems as we played 18 holes. We played through these eight guys who were having some kind of tournament. And we played through on a par three. And you know how that's like, you're afraid you're going to shank or something. We both hit it up on the green right near the pin, and we laughed on the way. to. They think we're good. They don't know how bad we are. <laughs> we laughed the whole day. And I beat him, too, so that's what made it, it was such a good day. <laughs> and I drove back. It was a wonderful day. But I think that involved risk. Somebody told me a, a couple of days later, said, did you play golf at, at that course in Carrollton? Yes, I did. He said, boy, I had a son who played there, and he got bit by a, fl- a, f- a flea, uh, 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 by his mosquito, and he got Lyme's disease. There's so many deer. Did you see any deer there? Yeah, I said, I saw a beautiful deer walking across the last fairway, actually. So... I mean, great day. I could have got Lyme's disease. I could have had an accident on I-71 where the, the bus crashed years ago and a couple dozen people were killed. And, uh, I could have got hit with a golf ball. I could have got, could have, got COVID. Could have got COVID from a brother. I mean, all kind of – but I, if I'd have had that attitude, I'd have missed a wonderful day. And I think when Moses said, number your days – Every day is precious. That's gonna ha- you're going to have to take some risks. So I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying don't wear masks or, uh, or have a 100 people in your house for Thanksgiving. But I, I am saying loosen up. Uh, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And if we're going to number our days, we've got to have a, a willingness to say, my life is in God's hands. I, I, I'm going to quote my dad. My dad just turned 81, and he said, my goodness, I'm going to die one of these days. <laughs> I want to hug my kids. I want to hug my grandkids. I'm going to live life. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to wear a mask once in a while when I have to. But Can you imagine holding up for seven months and then finally they lift it and the next day you have a heart attack? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I got COVID. I, I, I wanted to t- talk to you about that because you both, you and Judy, tested positive and you got pretty sick. I got pretty sick. Judy, fortunately... Or- Thankfully, providentially, she she didn't have any symptoms at all, and she has a lot more issues than I have. But I, I, I had a rough week and a half, and it wasn't pleasant, but uh, I, I lived through it. My doctor said to me, said, look, uh, I'm going to give you this oximeter. You know, you stick it on the end of your finger, and it measures the oxygen level in your heartbeat. And he said, this, now, if this ever gets below 90, you go straight to the emergency room because that's what COVID does. You know, it starts getting in your lungs and you can't breathe. So if that gets below 90, you go emergency room. Well, one night I'd had a temperature of 102 and I was feeling bad. And the oximeter, it reads 87. Mm. I said, oh, man, I've got to go to the emergency room. I put on my coat, started to head to the car, and then it hit me. What am I doing? I'm going to go to the emergency room, and they're going to sit there and observe me for three hours. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and... And I'm 77 years old, 
if I die tonight, I'm ready. That's okay. I went to bed. I'm not going to the hospital. I thought he was going to say he went to McDonald's, got a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> but, you know, the next day I felt better. And again, I'm not saying you should never go to the hospital. But I am saying enjoy your life. Life is a vapor. It appears for a little while. And you got today. You don't, you don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. Use some judgment and don't live out of fear. Yeah, we we prayed before we started tonight. We and and one of the the joy of the Lord is our strength. We we and laughter is like good medicine. We we need to laugh. What an opportunity we have as Christians to show the world a contrast. But if we're just as fearful and we're we're just as apprehensive and worried and churning about what the world conditions are as the world. We're missing our opportunity. I think the world ought to look to us and say, boy, those people in the church, they're, they're still laughing. They're still enjoying life, and God is blessing them. They, the world needs to see a contrast in us, and I think we're missing that opportunity for the most part. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, before we continue on, I want to just take a, just a minute just to say, hey, thank you for listening and watching if you're on Facebook Live. We want to thank our sponsors who've been with us, so faithful to us in sponsoring our show. Just real quick, last time we'll mention them, but uh, Dan Hart Financial, if you want to get some financial advice uh, from a biblical cons- uh, uh, perspective and what is a wise fin- uh, retirement look like, Dan Hart Financial can l- take a look at yours and help you out with that. Southern Smoke Catering, my favorite sponsor. Because they taste great. Oh, dude! I I was with Chris Hadley the other night, and I had Southern Smoke. It was like to die for. (laughs) It's good. So Southern Smoke. Oh my goodness! It was it was unbelievable. SouthernSmokeCatering dot com. Look them up. Great guys and great uh, great food. Iroquois Family Dental. Two locations in the Louisville area. If you're, it's a family friendly dental office in the East End and in the Iroquois Park area. And let me just give a shout out to Eric. Eric uh, Veal has been my dentist for 21 years and uh, he, he's just a phenomenal guy and his whole crew. So good yeah. folks. Yep. And then the Southeast Outlook, their publication's been around for two decades and they are telling the story that God is writing both in our city and all around the world. And also Veritech Generators. If you have a company or a business or a residence that need to have a generator uh, winter coming up, you may need some power. I may have some power outages. Veritech generators can take care of you. And then also our final sponsor, Executive Elevators. If you want to stay in your home and you don't have that first floor uh, master bedroom, then uh, Executive Elevator Elevators could help put you in an elevator that actually helps you up and down and stay in your home. So we want to thank all of our sponsors for our show. Hey Bob, um, one of the things that I I see, and you mentioned it, the, the the young pastors that come into your home, and and you do the times of refreshment for these guys from all over the country, and you've been doing it for fourteen years now, uh, hundreds of pastors that have come through that ministry, your ministry, and I, I and I I see such joy when you are with them, and I I think. Uh, you know, when when I think about the older guys who are listening right now, who are retired or looking toward retirement, I think we underestimate our in our our influence and the impact that we can have towards the younger generation. Yeah, you know, I, I talked to older. I talked to a preacher three days ago who's getting ready to retire, and I told him about what I was doing in my later years of trying to mentor or just encourage younger guys and there's a tremendous need out there you know the bible talks about showing respect for the aged and learning from those who are older but if if we withdraw and we're not involved and we're not accessible 
they're not going to learn from us. I'll guarantee you there's some younger guys who don't want to hear anything, and that's okay. But if we, even like older preachers, they don't have to start retreats. All they've got to do is call up a younger preacher and say, hey, can I take you to lunch sometime? And if you're willing to pay, they're willing to go. <laughs> uh, and, and just ask them questions, how they're doing. And it's amazing how we can be a source of encouragement if we're accessible and if we're willing. Yeah, that's a really good word. Hey, Bob, let's, uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit. And uh, we're in the middle of this whole election. There's been already over 70 million people have already voted. Um, but there's, there's a lot of tension. And uh, I, I wanted you to speak into our listening audience and uh, to, to talk about the peace of God, talk about uh, some of the issues that are I know are near and dear to your heart, and um, speak some truth to our listeners right now. Well, I can understand why there's tension. Uh, I have never seen such rancor politically in my lifetime as there is today. Uh, it used to be that the two parties had different views of how to approach uh, welfare or how to solve uh, foreign aid. But today, it, it, there is almost a spiritual battle over crucial issues, and we're in a battle for the very soul of our nation. I was brought up to love the United States of America. I didn't worship it. But I understood that this was a special nation and that God's hand of blessing was on this country because we sought to establish a nation that was uh, respectful of, of his laws. Not that we were a Christian nation or a Christocracy or a theocracy, but John Adams says we were established on Judeo-Christian principles. And for some reason, the United States became the freest, the most prosperous, most influential nation in the world. But now we have a, a younger generation that has been taught all the flaws of America. And there have been flaws, but we've exaggerated uh, some of the problems of America to the place where we've got people who want to uh, uh, just abandon our principles altogether and have a revolution and start a, a nation not not built on uh, capitalism but socialism, eliminate God and his his word altogether. And uh, so we're, we're in a battle spiritually, I think, for the very soul of our nation. And people say, well, uh, how, how, do you, how do you vote? How do you come to an election like this? Well, first of all, let, let's acknowledge that God is sovereign. And God may, you know, I've heard this series of sermons on uh, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And the, uh, the, the, the vine dresser comes in, and if something's not producing fruit, he cuts it off. And if it is producing fruit, he prunes it. <laughs> Either way, it hurts. you know. <laughs> and it's hard to know whether you're being cut off or whether you're being pruned. And I don't know if America is being cut off from God's blessing because we have turned our back on him or if he right now is pruning us and trying to bring us back to himself. But this is a time of testing in this nation. And I see this election as a very crucial one, that we're going down one of two paths, and our nation is about split right down the middle. So when I vote, it doesn't matter whether I'm voting for the local dog catcher, whether I'm voting for president, there's one issue that uh, is above everything else, and that is abortion. 
I think that God's hand of protection has been withdrawn from America over the last uh, four or five decades because we're uh, snuffing out uh, over a million unborn innocent children every year. And the Bible says God hates those, abhors those who shed innocent blood. And I, I, I think of all the issues, that is a priority with me. But that not only is a priority, it is an evidence of character. If a person is willing to endorse the killing of a baby or even un, uh, the newly born child and just let it die, that says a whole lot about the character of that person. So when I go to vote, my first question, foremost question is, uh, how, which of these two people uh, will do the most to reduce the number of abortions in America. Now, when this And you're really talking the sanctity of life and this, uh, the, 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 we were created in the image of God. There's no saying familiarity breeds contempt. In this case, familiarity breeds indifference. We become so accustomed to this subject, well, it's not all that bad. It's bad. When, when you start sacrificing uh, innocent children just for the sake of uh, a permissiveness and culture, uh, there, there's something seriously wrong. We, our conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. Now, one of the problems we have is nobody wants to be controversial. Nobody wants to be criticized. And I guarantee you, if you speak up or you write something in social media about issues that, that are, you're, you're going to get attacked. And Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. And I'm telling you what, I got that woe off my back a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is a time for courage. This is a time for Christian people to speak up. Listen, you, you can't be on the fence anymore. We believe certain things as Christians that are absolutely contrary to the world. We believe that God created this world. We're not here by evolutionary accident. We believe that God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and Eve the breath of life. And that means life is a sacred gift of God from, from conception to the tomb. We believe that God created a man and a woman. He didn't create 27 genders. He created two. We believe that God performed the first wedding in the Garden of Eden and that marriage is, is not a human institution that we can totally disregard or easily dissolve or dramatically redefine. It is a, a, a sacred gift of God, a covenant with God. And we believe that man is basically sinful, that if you give him a perfect environment because of the sin of Adam, we're, we're still going to gravitate to sin. And we cannot solve all of our problems by creating a utopia here on earth. We need to be redeemed. And we believe that Jesus Christ came, died for our sins, an atoning death. He rose bodily from the grave, and he's the only way of salvation. Now, all of those basic beliefs are absolutely contrary to what the world is proposing right now. And if you're bold enough to stay, here's what I believe, you've got to be ready for satanic attack. And you've got to say, Jesus said, blessed are you when men ridicule you and say all men are people against you falsely rejoice and be glad. Woe to those who say when evil is good and good is evil, Isaiah wrote. Bob, talk to us about... Um, I just read an article um, out of the New York Times. Um, I'm an evangelical, I'm pro-life, but I'm going to vote for a pro-abortion candidate. 
yeah, uh, I read an article years ago called Facts, Faith, and Feeling. And that's the proper sequence for which uh, Christians experience feelings. There are facts that we believe, we respond by faith, and feelings come as a byproduct. But the problem in our culture, our culture is very feeling-oriented, and we want to jump over the facts and the, the responding by faith and just get to the feelings. You know, uh, was a, Justin Timberlake had that song, Can't Stop the Feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, uh, the, the, our whole culture is about feeling. And Christian people, we get more about feeling than we do facts. When God told Abraham, go up the mountain and sacrifice your only son, he didn't feel like doing that. But he responded by faith and obedience because he believed God could raise him from the dead. And God stayed his hand, provided a substitute sacrifice. When Abraham came, came back down the mountain, he's feeling good. <laughs> but it was, he believed the facts, he responded by faith, and then he felt. But what's happening in uh, elections is that I think a lot of Christians are responding by feelings. And they're saying, this guy makes me so mad. This guy is so crass. I get angry. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed by this. But rather than vote by feelings, we need to vote by faith. Rather than by uh, personality, it needs to be by policy. And we need to ask ourselves, again, which of these two persons? I, I, I wish we had two other people. I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump. I, I, I think he has been a hedonist in his past. He's crude and crass and arrogant. Uh, but I've only got one of two people to vote for. But a lot of the policies that he's established, whether it's a re- defunding Planned Parenthood or taking a strong pro-life stand or for religious freedom in Israel and Israel and appointing conservative judges that give us a chance maybe to overturn Roe versus Wade, I, I, I think, we okay, here are the policies that we're, we're bringing into play if we vote for this person, and here are the policies that we bring into play if we vote for the other person, uh, I, I think long-term, this will do the most for the, provide the most opportunity for the kingdom of God in the future. Plus, I think you look at the vice presidents. Mike Pence, an evangelical Christian, and Kamala Harris, who's one of the, the more liberal people in the Senate who is for letting a newborn baby die, abortion right up to the final day. Uh, that could be a factor because teach us the number of days and we got one <laughs> the guy for president who's 77, the other guy's 74, and the vice president could easily come into play here. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think we easily forget that. Uh, Bob, talk just a little bit about... Um, the religious freedom that we have been able to experience and 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 yet um, I, my feeling is that uh, that that is going to be limited um, if if Biden would win your thoughts on well, that well i i've i've seen it limited in the course of the last 20 25 years the, the threat of losing your tax exempt status or uh, People labeling labeling you a hate group, uh, or here we're seeing in more recent days, uh, Facebook and Twitter uh, censoring uh, some basic uh, thoughts or, or, or uh, events that are truthful, and it doesn't take a prophet 
to look into the future and say, uh, uh, unless there's a turn, unless there's a spiritual revival, uh, there is, is going to be increased persecution on the country. I tell these young preachers that I'm dealing with, you, you guys, if you stand for truth, um, you may wind up in jail. Uh, the preachers in Canada already cannot say anything about uh, the sin of homosexuality, even though the Bible spells it out, because if they're caught saying that, they can be fined or eventually imprisoned. And we're not uh, far from that happening in the United States. That's why when we vote, we need to take into account uh, the, where, where are our grandchildren going to be? How, how much opportunity are they going to have for church and for religious freedom in the future? Yeah, I, you know, Bob, I've I've struggled with the the um, you mentioned the crassness of of President Trump, and you know, uh, but he he's he's really pushed into concern for the religious freedom to speak more. And um, at, at at times, I, I um, when I when I weigh out the, the the issues that are more of the Republican Party than the Democratic Party, there's there's issues with both. But I, I struggle with um, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, the religious freedom, the the, the drivenness of the socialist kind of anti-god agenda and man that is i understand people who say i i just can't vote for donald trump my son was one of those al muller southern baptist seminary one of those and i understand that but uh al muller has changed his mind i don't know about my son but i uh, say look you only got two people Kanye West is not going to win this election. I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to tell you the absolute truth. He's not going to win. You know what? If all things were equal, if there are three people equally uh, uh, on the ballot, I'd vote for Kanye West over the other, other two guys. But uh, he, he doesn't have a chance. So one of two people is going to be – and it's not just that, that person. There's going to be a whole line of, of uh, cabinet members and judges and people who are making policy, and uh, we have to take into account the, all the ramifications of the, of the election when we vote. I think I read there's over 4,000 um, positions all around the, the, each of the candidates. And, uh, well, you look at Amy Comey Barrett. What more could we ask for an appointment to the Supreme Court than somebody who is so strongly pro-life and and pro-religious freedom and pro-family? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, just a, a model, a model citizen. Yeah, um, we need to take a break and talk to, uh, about our sponsors and give them a thank you. Well, we got a few more minutes here left in, in our hour together, so we, we thank you for listening. And again, we, we really want to thank all of our sponsors who who uh, who have come in and really helped us out from day one. Ellen and Credit Union, Vision First, Frank Enterprises, uh, Bright Star Home Care, Dan Hart Financial, Southern Smoke Catering, Iroquois Family Dental, Southeast Outlook, Veritech Generators, and Executive Elevators. So we've got about... 12, 13 more minutes here left. And and let's talk about the folks, if this is okay to segue. We've talked about the 20-somethings and the 40-somethings. What about the 70 and 80-somethings who they may look back and, and they realize, boy, I didn't number my days decades before. 
Talk about those people now. What can they do with their days? Well, I think it's interesting to look at the Bible and see how many of God's servants made their best contribution after 60 or 70 mm. or 80. You know, Moses is 80 years old when, when God calls him. And, and Caleb is uh, 84, I think, when he says, give me this mountain. And uh, uh, Joshua. A- Joshua, Anna, is 84. And so just because you haven't numbered your days spiritually doesn't mean that your life is over. Maybe your best contribution is yet to be, mm-hmm. that God may do something really spectacular for you in your older years. But again, it, it, you've got to have the spirit and the attitude that I, this is this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it and not just wall around in self-pity because uh, your energy isn't what it once was or you got some aches and pains. Uh, listen, the truth is nobody wants to hear it. And uh, just, <laughs> just be as joyful as you can be and and be faithful and, and see, see what God can do for you. But be involved in some aspect of the church. Be involved in your family's life. It is amazing what you can do to, to keep growing, keep learning. I, w- I was on a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, and a guy asked me, who are you learning from these days? Mm. What a great question. I mean, he's asking a 77-year-old guy, who are you learning from these days? And I was able to say, let me tell you about a book I just read. And, and you, you keep growing and, and, and keep learning. But it's amazing if you, if you grow not only in knowledge of the Bible, but I mean technology. Mm. I can have a relationship with my grandchildren who are in two different colleges because mm-hmm. I can text them. And I know some older people who refuse to learn to text. Let me tell you what, your grandkids don't want you to phone them. Mm. <laughs> and and they're, they're, they're not going to answer. Yeah. But if you text them and ask a little question, or I heard this, or I watched online and I saw you do this at the football game, and, and then you're, you're in touch with them, and you can you can make a difference in your grandkids' lives. And if you don't have grandchildren, go find one. <laughs> and uh, there there are all kinds of kids running around the church who want some older pe- person to put an arm around them and say, "Hey, uh, I, I remember when I was I was in first first grade, and I quoted scripture." one Sunday morning, about 10 verses. And my old preacher, D.P. Schaefer, who was in his late 70s at the time, had palsy. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, son, you could make a good preacher someday. And who knows what a word of encouragement spoken in a church service or uh, a, a family member. Your contribution as a 70-year-old, as an 80-year-old, can, can be fantastic if we'll just be alert. We talked about Ben Merrill, who is, uh, I went to his 90th birthday party, and they brought out a, a cake, big cake with 90 lit candles, followed by a fireman in full gear. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben laughs, and all the preachers that I know say, man, he's a hero to me, 94 and he's still serving. He drives from St. Louis to every one of my retreats, but drives by himself. Mm. And every, Unless he brings his wife, Pat, <laughs> with him. They've been married 67 years or something like that. <laughs> it's amazing. Mm. 
Um, Bob, as we as we approach, uh, when we think about again, teach the num- number of days, but also as we are approaching Thanksgiving, this time of year where we are a month away from Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm going to go back a little bit to the tension that we are uh, have in our in our country, and even within loved ones, family. Uh, I, I heard you speak years ago about when you when there's. Uh, uh, there's issues within the family, and okay, we're we've we've just voted the election. We won't we don't know who's going to win, um, but it's Thanksgiving. Kind of fast forward here. You got a family member who really you disagree with politically. How do you love them and honor them in that setting? Well, I have that. We have that in our family, and uh, that's a good time to be slow to speak and uh, slow to anger. And I, I think you, the wisest thing you can do is not bring it up. There are other things that you have in common right then, and you're not going to win the argument because if you bring it up in front of people, people get defensive and they dig their heels in and they're not listening to you being persuaded. They're trying to think of how they're going to respond to look good in front of the rest of the family. And when you bring it up, you're creating a lot of tension, and you're not speaking a good word for Christ at all. And the best thing you can do is you know, it's time to talk about sports or Jesus. <laughs> 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 but and, and if somebody brings it up, you, you change the subject because there's, there's, a, there's a time to be as wise as serpents and harmless as, as doves. And Psalm uh, says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And when you get into those public arguments, you're making everybody uncomfortable. And, and the wisest thing you can do is practice restraint in that moment and try to, to build relationships. And then maybe in private, sometime down the road, when uh, they, they get stuck in the snow and they call you to help them or something, then you say, I'll come if you let me know who you voted for. <laughs> <laughs> If if uh, they if they if the person mm. w- the other person wants to jab you, um, they they bring it up. Proverbs fifteen one says a uh, a gentle answer, soft answer turns away wrath. Um, how would you do that? How would I do it, or how should I do it? <laughs> Those are two different answers because I've got a I'm a competitive person. I got a quick temper. I know how I should. I, I should. You know, the best way out is often a soft answer, but humor. If if you can can escape through humor and and say, you know, I, you're bringing that up. And you're going to give me indigestion here. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about something else. And and learn to laugh. Uh, uh, Mary Hart does good like medicine. And then mm. uh, let let your temper cool, and somebody will come to your your aid uh, if you try to escape through humor. When when. Uh I got an assignment uh, <clears throat> several years ago that I had to write my own. Uh, I'm shifting gears just a little bit back to what you were talking about, Chad. But uh, I had to write my own eulogy, and um, that was what. What do you want the preacher? 
and your family to say to you? Well, I was once asked, what do you want on your tombstone? And years ago, I said, I want them to say, he spoke the truth. But now I wanted to read, he spoke the truth in love. And one of the best descriptions of Jesus is that Mm -hmm. passage in John where it says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He wasn't 50% grace and 50% truth. He's 100% grace, 100% truth. And you see that in so many of his encounters. There's both grace and truth. The woman caught in adultery, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. And we gravitate to being truth tellers or full of grace. And you see this in people all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm more of a truth teller. Jesus said go forth and with the truth of the gospel. Just tell the truth. But... As I age, uh, I still believe the same truth, but I want it to be balanced, be spoken in love. When, when did you uh, really settle in with that? Uh, the, I, I need to have this. I don't know that I've ever been really abrasive with the truth, but I was uh, stronger with the, the truth. And in, in dealing with uh, controversial subjects, uh, I would be too strong, not too strong with teaching God's word, but uh, you came across. <laughs> Olin Hay said that when he was a young preacher, uh, for, he was asked to go back to his home church and preach, and he knew everything about these people. So he just lambasted them for every sin he could ever think about them. And so afterward, he asked, he was asked by B.W. Carrier, the preacher, how did I do? And Brother Carrier said, well, Olin, you did fine, but just remember, you can't preach the love of God with a clenched fist. And I think there are times I preach the love of God with a clenched fist. And uh, I want to preach the truth of God uh, with an open hand Mm. and to be able to be full of grace and truth. And I I think I'm doing better. I still have a ways to grow. But if if I had to write my own eulogy, uh, I would would have to somebody say, "He, he preached the truth in love. Mm, that's a good word. Bob, it's been great to have you. Uh, this hour has flown by. Thanks a ton for coming, Sharon. Would you pray for our listeners? Would you pray sure. that we would be men who would number our days? Okay. Dear Lord, I thank you for anybody who's listening right now, but I pray especially for the men who are listening. Uh, these are challenging times. We've got more responsibility on our shoulders. Uh, to provide for financially and for our families and for our kids and to set a spiritual example for them. And we're overwhelmed with that because we're inadequate and we're sinful and we're weak. But thank you that Jesus Christ is adequate mm-hmm. and that he forgives our past sins and that he uh, enables us by his Holy Spirit to, to win the victory. So I pray that you would encourage these guys to be faithful in all things every day, to, to walk by faith and that they would be joyful and they would be attractive and do everything they can to lead their families and those who look to them to Jesus Christ and help them to remember that regardless of the pressures that we face and the uncertainties of tomorrow, that through the Lord, the best is yet to be. That he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. Help us to hold on to that hope. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Thanks so much for coming. 
So we want to thank our listeners for listening. Thank you, Bob, for coming on. And if this is the very first time you've ever seen or heard our show, uh, thank you for listening and watching if you're watching on Facebook Live. And just remember this, uh, there, my man who mentored me, Cecil McGee, said, if, I, if you meet me and forget me, you've lost nothing. But if you meet Jesus and forget him, you've lost everything. So the most important thing that you can do to number your days is to give your life to Jesus, commit your life to him, and walk with him imperfectly as we all do. So uh, Solid Steps Radio exists for that. We hope you do. And we thank you for listening and thank you for watching on Solid Steps Radio.